Now, at that time, Kurt Wilde was between management and Brian Nugas, of course, and urged Divine to pursue the situation. And so, if in that probability an interest arose in which Brian would serve on some projects, possibly the not exclusively, as we're taking our lead from you here, Kevin, possibly as a producer on that project, how might that scenario, purely hypothetically, how might that scenario appeal to you at this juncture? What Jerry's trying to say is, do you want to come to London to cut a record? Oh, yeah, cool. Very good. But, but how can we help you? You must tell us. What do you need? Everything. You see, Harold's my main man. Uh, but now I'm on the methadone and I'm getting my act together. And you come here and say you want to help. And I say, hey, far out. <laughs> you could be my main man. It's pretty clear what was happening. Happens every day. But for the world to think it was happening, well, that was Jared's particular genius. Right away, started promoting the two of them like a pair of 40 starlets on a swing. Tracy and Hepburn for the 70s. Satellite of you are listening to they must be destroyed on site the following podcast contains adult language adult situations and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 256, and I'm your host, Lee, in a bit of a decadent spiral, Russell, and I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Lee, an unknown land full of strange flowers and subtle perfumes, a land of which it is joy of all joys to dream, a land where all things are perfect and poisonous, Hardy, how you doing, ma'am? Wow, that is quite the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I needed like a little bit of a melody while you said that. Like that was a uh, that was awesome. <laughs> maybe maybe I could put something in post production right behind it. We'll see. <laughs> it was just it was just like this perfect elongated title that just never ended. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm fantastic. I am fantastic. How are you? Uh, excellent. Good. Uh, we're finally getting around to doing this. It took us a while to get this episode done. This is actually a request. Uh, I believe it. Okay. So I, I'm, I might fuck this up. So the person who requested this is from a Discord group that I'm part of for the Grindbin podcast, which we were on 
a few weeks ago or whatever. Right? Okay, yeah. 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 So I believe this is Steve who asked for this uh, as a request. If I'm mistaken, please correct me. I'm sorry, because a lot of the people on like I don't go on that discord a lot. And a lot of the people there are kind of acquaintances more than people I talk to on a day to day basis. So I don't want to fucking piss anyone off by giving the wrong name or whatever. But I think it's Steve. So Steve's like messages me privately at Discord. It's like, have you guys done Velvet Goldmine? And it's like, no, we have not. And I only vaguely knew what it was, too. I'd never seen it before. And he's like, that is my request. And I was like, we will do that film. And that's what we're doing. Uh, I promised him a, a lot earlier, but both Lee and I's lives have been a fucking train wreck of Whirlwind. just constant <laughs> constant work and life fucking and yeah work and life <laughs> it's it, it has not been ideal for getting steady constant episodes out so we do apologize for that but um we're we trying we can do. yeah i mean believe believe us we enjoy doing this and we'd rather be doing this than fucking toiling away but uh sometimes you gotta work and deal with other shit so as an apology lee will send you pictures of his chest area will i yeah okay um (laughs) unless they asked for like i don't know shins or something shins maybe some people are into feet either way you know my 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 calf muscles are starting to look pretty good maybe people ask for those Mm -hmm. they look pretty good for a guy who's generally not in shape at all. So there you go. So for anybody who is requesting an apology, please request calf pictures. Mm-hmm. And I'll just send them pictures of baby calves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I said, Velvet Goldmine starring that Obi-Wan Kenobi guy and, and some other Obi-Wan some other Kenobi people. guy. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, a, this is a movie he did just before he did Obi-Wan Kenobi and like totally changed the direction of his career so uh it'll be interesting to talk about we have nothing we've watched recently to uh to talk about so we're actually going to do something a little different on this episode and we are going to play a game and so i have to where's the share thing here i have to share a screen whoa okay it's getting really extreme oh yeah it's getting real technical okay okay do you see that yes okay so this is um, a website called uh, Statagories.com, and it's got a bunch of different games that you can play. Uh, the one we're going to be playing is which movie has a higher rating on the Internet Movie Database? Oh, fuck me. I'm going to be terrible at this. Yeah. So basically, it's a um, guessing game between two movies and, you you know, uses some intuition and and kind of like what you think is the most popular movie. And you basically you just keep playing until you get one wrong and just try to get the highest score possible so <laughs> wait um, until you get one wrong okay well yeah <laughs> so uh like a short game <laughs> it, it all depends all depends we will we'll get you to play around here first before you blurt out your answer i'll give the two selections just so you know the people listening because they can't see this shit this will be fun to do if we ever do um like a live episode where people who listen oh, to us could actually yeah. like yeah that'd be look. cool yeah, I think I think we're gonna have to do that sometime this summer. Uh, try yeah, to that'd be totally yeah. down for that. All right, so we're gonna play. Okay, so here we go. The first two selections are Howl's Moving Castle from 2004, which is a Japanese anime film, and Amadeus from 1984, which is the sort of like biography of Amadeus Mozart. 
I'm going to say Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. Yeah. 8.3. You were right. Oh, yeah. That's close, though. Mm -hmm. Knives out. Oh, sorry. I said yeah, and so <laughs> basically how this works is the one you pick that's right, that stays up on the board, and then the new one comes in for you to uh, be petted against. So we got an 8.3 for Amadeus from 1984. Knives Out from 2019 is the next one. So do you think Knives Out is higher? I think Knives Out is higher. I think right. that one was a little... That one had a pretty good... Oh, 7.9. Oh, 7. fuck off. Okay, well, I suck. All right, we're gonna. I'm going to do a round here then. All right, a Clockwork Orange, 1971, or in the name of the Father, 1993. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna go Clockwork Orange. Let's see. I would have done the same. Eight point three. Eight. Yeah, just barely. Just squeak by. All right. All right. So, A Clockwork Orange at 8.3 or Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, 2007. Oof. I think I know this one. This is the one that I would actually know. Oof. Those Pirates of the Caribbean films are fucking popular. Um, uh, can I give you, like, a slight hint? Uh-huh. Out of all three, this was, like, the least popular. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That is... Well, there's, like, six of those fucking films. The three with, like, um, Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley, oh, and Johnny Depp. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go Clockwork Orange. We'll see what we... Yeah, 7.1 for Pirates I, of the Caribbean. As soon as I saw that one, I'm like, it had been the other one, I would have been... Uh, Ooh, next one is... The Great Dictator, 1940. Ah, that's... Pirates of the Caribbean, 7.1. Yeah, and so this is, of course, the Charlie Chaplin film where he basically plays a... Hitler stand-in. Um, Jesus that, Christ. That is, a, that is a classic fucking film. Um, I'm almost curious. I'm going to say Great Dictator. Yeah, 8.4. All right. Oh. So The Great Dictator, 1940, mm -hmm. 8.4, or Pixels, 2015. Okay, this is an easy one. I'm going to say Great Dictator. Yeah. Pix that like, Pixels bombed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Adams. Yeah, 5.5. 5. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, oh. so far I'm like I'm actually tied with you in this one because I've guessed all the ones with you. Yeah. Sure. That's how that works. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying I'm disappointed with my round because like I thought Knives Without did a lot better on IMDb than it did. Alright, now oh, this one's easy. So they've they've changed up, they've uh the the loser is now um so it's either between the board. Batman Begins 2005 or Pixel 2015, which got a 5.5. This one's fucking easy. It's got to be Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. 8.2. All right. Oh. Batman Begins 2005, 8.2 or Ratatouille 2007. This was a very popular one at the time. Mm, with the some the vocal stylings of one patent Oswald. Oh, and I feel like this one's going to be a close one. Uh, you know what? I'm still going to go with Batman. Yeah, Ratatouille's only got an eight. <laughs> All right. Avengers, Age of Ultron, 2015, or Ratatouille? Ooh. I'm still going to... This is the lesser of the Avengers films. This is the one people don't like as much. No. But it's a Marvel film. Oh, oh fuck! Oh, 7.5! 7. 
Seven point three. Oh, I got, got a six. Though. I only yeah. got two. Uh, do you want to quickly try to redeem yourself, or are okay, you one more try, it? and if I fail again, I fail again. Okay. Okay, so we've got the Elephant Man, David Lynch film from nineteen eighty. I watched that one. Okay. And we've got Ford versus Ferrari from 2019. I did not see that one. Um, I want to say the Elephant Man. Okay, David Lynch. That's a uh, that's a con- I'd say that's a controversial pick because some of his movies don't do well with like the general audience. But uh, no, but that- I hear it quoted a lot. And the Elephant Man is probably his most, other than the film he did called The Straight Story. The Elephant Man is probably his most straight ahead. Like, and I've never more, heard of Ford versus Ferrari. Like that. Yeah, I've heard of it. Our, all of our friends are fucking car nerds, and they always talk about that fucking film. You should see Ford versus Ferrari. I don't fucking want to see a f- film about two car dudes. Fuck off. We're probably gonna have this wrong. Like first. Yeah, one. let's try it. Eight point one. Oh, oh! You, wow! Oh! Wow! That's a close one. You fucking just skirted by there holy shit 8.1 to 8 all right elephant man versus house of gucci from 2021 came out yeah it says 2021 but i feel like it just came out because i'm just seeing the ads for it i think it's set around for a while fuck it has gotten decent reviews from what i've seen like a lot of people seem to like it i'm gonna go for house of gucci because if it's been around that long it must have done well okay oh no 6.7. 6.7. Damn it. Okay. Well, I well, suck at this. Well, well, we'll, we'll try again at some point. That is just, you know, fun little game. I saw somebody doing on a live stream and I was like, Oh, that's cool. That'd, that'd be something fun to little change things up a little bit other than our usual format, you know, kind of thing. So I think, uh, it's funny cause your selection, I knew all the movies, like I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. And then my selection, it's all movies that I didn't see that fucked me. <laughs> cause I haven't seen House of Gucci. Yeah. All right. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to play a podcast promo. Some music's going to pop up from this film. And man, there were so many choices. I I did have a time trying to pick and choose what I wanted to take out of the soundtrack for this one because I love two hours worth. I had I had to kill I had to kill some darlings. Um, And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Velvet Goldmine. And I don't know about you, Lee, but I think we got this, man. We got this by the ass. Totally do. You ungodly warlock. Hello there. My name is Matt, and I'm a humble court bailiff in a courtroom designed to bring musical justice to all. Each week, we have a podcast with a judge and a jury, and we determine whether a song is guilty, not guilty, or not guilty by reasons of insanity. You know, something like, uh... Or maybe it's a cover of Tom Petty. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Just look for songs on trial, please. Okay, I love you. Make good choices. You ungodly warlock. I won't laugh at you when you boo-hoo-hoo Cause I love you I can turn my back on the things you like Cause I love you 
have velvet goldmine from 1998 uh we do have a trailer so i'm going to play that right now it doesn't really matter much what a man does with his life what matters is the legend that grows up around him brian slade was the wildest rock star to come out of london the biggest thing since sliced beetles but that wasn't enough we set out to change the world what happened who did it and why next week is the anniversary of the whole shooting incident one journalist is about to look into the mystery trying to contact you about a story from the moment brian slade stepped into our lives nothing would ever be the same he was in the end like nothing he appeared right after everything crashed brian seemed to get lost in a lie came someone else (laughs) 
Miramax Films invites you to throw away your expectations and take a magical trip back to the 70s. When the glam scene rocked London. And the outrageous fashions, music, and behavior shocked the world. I knew I should create a sensation. Wow, that cut off abruptly. <laughs> Man, um, that's a 90s trailer if I ever heard one. It's got 90s trailer guy's voice in it. and Coming from Miramax. I like it. So this is directed by Todd Haynes. A couple other things of his that I've seen that uh, I'm familiar with. Far From Heaven from 2002. And I'm Not There from 2007, which is also sort of music related. Is basically a weird, like look at Bob Dylan's different phases of his career with different actors, basically playing Bob Dylan and kind of doing a little bit of the same stuff that he does in this film. Honestly, when it comes to like some real life mu- musicians that he's kind of has stand stand-ins for here. Uh, this is written by James Lyons, uh, who's mostly an editor. He just has like a writing credit on this for some fucking reason. And Todd Haynes uh, did the script and the story. Basically he's, he's the, key writer on this so we're i I also just realized it looking at your pride flag right next to you (laughs) this is actually a decent movie for pride month i didn't even fucking think about it i didn't even plan it that way it was just okay i was gonna make a comment about that yeah i was gonna say there's definitely uh pride vibes to this definitely yeah uh so we got ewan mcgregor as kurt wilde of course if you don't know who ewan mcgregor is You've been living under a rock. You have been. Uh, one of the most famous actors out there these days. Such a beautiful man with a beautiful voice. And a penis. And a penis. And a butthole and that a you butt. that you both see in this film. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I, uh, I was... Because <laughs> you're so used to seeing female nudity. Like, female nudity mm. is one of those things. Like, when you see it, it's just like, okay, whatever. When you see full, like, male nudity, it's always a shock. Like, it's always like, even though um, I'm never going to be phased by it, it's just one of those things like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. They put penis in this movie. Oh, it's and I always so, love it. I love what they yeah. do that. It's it's so taboo for film. Like, the only... W- when you see a, a, a bare-chested man, that's not considered male nudity by yeah. any degree but when you when you do see a lot of male nudity in film it's usually always just the ass yeah so yeah um don't don't want to see the don't want to see the naughty bits um just showed you the naughty bits mm, you see the pork and the beans in this one <laughs> um uh we got jonathan reese myers as brian slade uh, things I've seen him in, uh, Michael Collins, Prozac Nation, Bend It Like Beckham. Bend It Like in. Beckham. Yep. Uh, he's in Alexander, which is a terrible movie. Uh, Mission Impossible 3, uh, which is not actually not terrible. It's actually one of the better Mission Impossibles. And probably most people know him these days from the uh, Vikings TV series. Um which is very popular, although I've never watched a fucking episode of it. Um, we got Christian Bale as Arthur Stewart, just some guy, right? I mean, what's he been in lately? Other than every fucking <laughs> every fucking movie, including Batman, for quite an extended period, of course. We got Tony Collette as Mandy Slade. 
Most people these days know her from Hereditary. I was just kind of freaked out seeing her this young. And it's like, wow. And she's really good in this, too. Um, she's so talented. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how fucking talented she is. And she kind of, in a way, just kind of f- floats under the radar. And mm-hmm. then she does Hereditary. It's so true. Yeah. So it's a real shame because, you know. She's she was incredibly as, talented. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would argue she's just, she's was probably just as good here as she is in hereditary like not di- totally different performances i'm just saying like as an actress like she's everything so memorable was, like yeah. everything she's in i always find her so memorable like she's one of those people that like had it been anybody else i don't think they would have done as good like she's just does such a good job mm-hmm. uh we got eddie ezard as jerry divine this was his second uh film and he's he's only got a handful of like film credits, but of course Eddie Izzard is a famous comedian and cross dresser. He's been in some stuff that I know him from uh, the Ocean's Twelve and Ocean's Thirteen uh, sequels to the George Clooney Brad Pitt Ocean's Eleven remakes. He was in Mystery Men, which is actually a really underrated superhero film. Have you ever seen that? Which one? Mystery Men. It, it was it was like a, a it's a superhero film, but it's it's a comedy. It's it's. A, I want to say yeah, like it just sounds so familiar. Like it's got, it ben, it's got Ben Stiller in it. Like all the superheroes yes, in it. Have, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, have really lame powers. I remember her. <laughs> like I remember the girl. I can't remember the actress who plays her, but I remember her. Janine Garofalo. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's literally the only thing I remember, but I totally remember because of her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back when Janine Garofalo was a thing. Weird. Uh, he was also in Shadow of Vampire, Shadow of the Vampire, uh, which is a great little film, too. We got Emily Wolf. I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's W-O-O-F, Emily Wolf, um, as Shannon. And the only credit I know her from is The Full Monty. Uh, oh, got... watched... oh, shit. That's what I watched recently. Oh, really? I just watched The Full Monty. I watched it with my parents, oddly enough. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm about as awkward as the fucking son that watches his dad strip. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just watched that. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I, only saw, I only saw that once, and that was back when it first came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed Okay, I had a hard time with that movie just because of the part where the guy, everyone calls one guy fat. Oh yeah. Fun of him. But at the end they were talking to him, like the wife as a guy, I want to see you strip. And like the women were going nuts for him. But the guy was just like burly. Like he wasn't even fat. He was just burly. Like, yeah, he had, he looked like a kind of person who was like once really athletic and then mm-hmm. stopped working out nearly as much as he used to. Yeah. Just put so, a layer of fat over the muscle basically. Yeah. But he still looked fit. Like he didn't look like he was in bad shape. Yeah. And that kind of bugged me because like, they were making fun of a guy who literally was like pretty average, like realistically. I even though I know this was in the nineties, but pretty average when it comes to that type of body type. Mm-hmm. And they were like having him have a hard time. So I just can imagine that that harder image it puts on a lot of other men who are bigger and who are actually like not that body type. It, so it is a little distressing to see that kind of stuff in movies, especially like in the nineteen eighties especially in slasher films and slasher films in the 1980s, they always had to have like the fat goofy friend who's one of the victims, you know, gets ends up getting killed. But nine times out of 10, you would not call that person fat. 
they might be slightly overweight, but the, none of them, almost none of them across the board fat. Like I know that obesity has risen and we have yeah. higher cases and stuff. But again, I knew people who were fatter than the people they used to call fat. And I feel like that causes a lot of bad body images in general. Yeah. Like it, even in the fucking nineties, two thousands teen movies where a girl would eat a lot and she'd be called fat. And it's like a girl's mm-hmm. has fucking abs and is like insanely fit. And we're calling her fat. Like yeah. ugh, the nineties and the eighties were terrible for body image. I mean, movies in general are just terrible for body image. Like there, there, there is a standard set by Hollywood that is really just. I just bugs me when they call non-fat people fat. That's Mm -hmm. my big thing. That's my big pet peeve. Like, there's nothing like the the word fat is not a naughty word. Like a lot of people who are fat will admit totally admit that they're fat. They'll just straight up say it. Uh, Whether we want to put it more eloquently or whatever the case may be, Um, I have a friend. Who always says like that she's a fat bitch, and everyone always shocked. They're always like, "Oh, I don't know what to say," and um, that's kind of her thing. And she's like, "Yeah, no, I know. Like, I, I, I used to be skinny. Like, I, I get it. Like, I'm not gonna dance around the, the subject, but yeah, I, uh, just, I just don't appreciate the people that they do have, as they, they call fat, um, are not nearly there. They're like a little chunky here and there. They're like a little burly, a little curvy, but they're not fucking fat." Yeah. Stop throwing that word around. Stop it. Just yeah. stop it. Like, let fat people be fat. Lumping <laughs> <laughs> um, us like fucking yeah. voluptuous. Voluptuous. Curvy, curvy. I don't know. It was like that in between, that medium build people, like the ones that are like, we're, we have a little bit, but we're like, got that little bit of fat on top of our, our, our muscle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a little extra cushion for the yeah, cushion. Yeah, right? like, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't feel yeah. like you guys are also fat. Um, I don't know. It just bugged me. Yeah. Don't, it, just, it just threw it off. It just, uh, it's again, it's very insulting. It's it's the whole idea that fat can't be beautiful either, mm-hmm. which is a fucking joke because fat people can absolutely be beautiful. I, I honestly don't know a, if there's a, a positive way. Every time I, I run into somebody, a bigger person, they always say fat. And every time someone says, no, you're beautiful. They're like, what? Fat can't be beautiful. Yeah. So, again, this is like literally every larger person who's ever talked to me just uses the word fat. So I feel like I can say it. If I can't, screw me later. Comment, people. (laughs) (laughs) Shame her for using a word she's not allowed to use. Yeah, if I'm not, like, absolutely. But I I don't know. Everyone I've always encountered that does say it always says fat. So I mean, if you you can't say fat anymore, I want to start hearing you call people chunky monkey chunky monkey i could say yeah. that i i feel like uh, yeah chunky monkey i like chunky monkey chunky monkey sounds fun chunky like monkey it, sounds like a, a delicious ice cream it, it, it's <laughs> it sounds like you know you got you got a, a nice round ass that you slap like that chunky monkey you have a little bit of fun you party around anyway morals of the story fat can be beautiful exactly Skinny can be beautiful every body type can be beautiful everybody has a type in general too yeah so uh, f- finishing off the uh, cast here, Janet McT- McTeer as female narrator. Um, <laughs> and she's done a couple other narrations in other movies, um, but she's also acted in some stuff. Uh, mostly TV is what you'll know her from. She was in Jessica Jones and Ozark, which is, you know, Ozark is a fairly popular TV series these days. I saw but- 
season one of Jessica Jones, and I was mm-hmm. told not to bother watching season two. So. Season two goes weird places, but it's not terrible. Just not as good. Like, season was, one was so good. Season one's great. You know? I fucking love David Tennant. Mm-hmm. As, a, as just an abusive piece of shit. Oh, you hate him so much, mm-hmm. but you love him so much because he's so good at it. Yep. Uh, so we have a synopsis here from someone called Jack Ferry uh, from IMDb. 1971, glam rock explodes all over the world and challenges the seriousness within the flower power generation by means of glitter and brutal music. Brian Slade, a young rock star, inspires numerous teenage boys and girls to paint their nails and explore their own sexuality. In the end, Slade destroys himself, unable to escape the character role of Maxwell Demon, he, that he created, he plots his own murder. When fans discover the murder is not real, his star falls abruptly and he is quickly forgotten about. 1984, Arthur, a journalist working for a New York newspaper, gets assigned the 10th anniversary story about the fake murder of Brian Slade. When Arthur was young and growing up in Manchester, he was more than a fan of Slade. Reluctantly, he accepts the assignment and starts to investigate what happened to his old glam rock hero. Yeah, that. That is the uh, what the story is, and you know it's basically Citizen Kane. <laughs> um, That's funny. It really is. It, it, it's it's it, it it is taking the Citizen Kane mode of storytelling and slapping it on a 1990s movie about 1970s glam rock. It's hilarious because is- I was kind of. Thinking, I was thinking of Citizen Kane while I was watching this movie as well. Mm-hmm. And now that you say that, I'm like, that makes sense. That's it, really it actually directly pulls some instances of the Citizen Kane, like the the scene where he's interviewing the manager, or well, maybe not the manager, but one of the one of the guys involved with with Brian Slade, mm-hmm. um, who's in the wheelchair now. Mm-hmm. Like that's directly taken from Citizen Kane, where you know the journalist is inter- interviewing the dude in the wheelchair who knew Kane. In the, you know he's in the retirement home or whatever early on in the film. Jesus. So like it actually pulls a couple scenes from Citizen Kane. Like it it is so close to Citizen Kane that it's like slapping you in the face, basically, kind of thing. Uh, That's hilarious. That's yeah. Like, I'm like thinking, you got me thinking deep thoughts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I'm going to throw over to you. Give your sort of general impressions of this one. It's hilarious that you mentioned the whole Citizen Kane thing, because I'm pretty much going to have the same comments as Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> uh, first of all, visually, this movie was fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, use of camera work, the use of color, the use of costumes, use of set design, the use of everything. Like, just all of that uh, definitely got you captivated in moments. Like, you really got sucked into moments, because uh, visually, it was such this appealing beautiful thing to watch like a lot of the the makeup that they used and a lot of times when they did the videos and the singing and or fucking the orgies that happened like mm-hmm. they were all just visually stunning not just saying because i like orgies but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh just in general of like how they did it like the interaction between you mcgregor and um Jonathan, whatever. Reese Myers. Myers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't remember the middle part. Um, 
anyways, th- that interaction that they t- that both of them have, like when they're just everything's going on around them, and you can just see the like chemistry happening between them. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautifully done. I thought that was like, uh, like they're gonna bang. <laughs> like, yeah, and they so do. Good. Spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, that was so good, and uh, the costumes were friggin' amazing. Like mm-hmm. they were just visually beautiful. The makeup, like that easily could have been over the top like tacky ugly but i found the makeup was very um it was over the top don't get me wrong but it was very it done very in a nice like artistic beautiful way like it really didn't take away from the actors it just uh brought out the story more with the whole glam rob thing so uh i'm impressed with that um on the other hand (laughs) Mm -hmm. the same issue i had with uh, Citizen Kane is the same issue I have with this movie. The scenes are too fucking long. Oh, yeah. Like, scenes in the stories are too fucking long. Like, whenever they have the scene where there's, like, a musical solo, like, a singing solo, and something's going on, I'm like, you could cut it down. Like, literally 30 seconds, just have that 30 seconds, still have the same impact. Mm-hmm. Like, it draws on. Like, I was literally... Okay, so I have such a short attention span so (laughs) other people might really appreciate it because then you get to really enjoy the beauty of the movie Mm -hmm. so but anybody who's like me like honestly i was um getting up and going to do things because like i couldn't stay focused like the first time i watched it uh it was such a like a mesmerizing movie that i just passed out like <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad, like a bad movie. Uh, I just mean like visually with the songs and everything. It's because it's so long yeah. and drawn out. Like I remember Citizen Kane. It took me three, four times to finish that movie from beginning to end because I kept mm-hmm. falling asleep. Yep. And again, it's not because it's a bad movie. It's just because they have these long drawn out parts that you just get kind of like mesmerized in, and then you just like either lo- you're yeah. in it or you fall asleep. Like <laughs> it, it lulls it lulls you into sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, it's never like falling asleep is never a bad thing. Come on, <laughs> it's not an insult to a movie. Uh, it's just it's just how it's done. Like some people that that style might be so riveting to some people, it might like captivate them and have them so um, attached to the moment because it's so prolonged and because there's such a beautiful surrounding. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just I can't do it. I just can't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, um, sorry, go on. No, uh, what else do you have to say? Oh, um, I have an appreciation, though, because uh, um, even in the 90s, even today, like, the whole idea of uh, a man-on-man interaction is seen as very negative. Mm-hmm. Like, women tend to get a little bit more acceptance when it comes to it because it's hot. Yeah. But men have a harder time with it, uh, especially the whole bisexual. Like bisexual men, very rarely come out of the closet because uh, it's an, it's almost embarrassing for them. Like it's almost they're uh, seen looked down on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have I really appreciate what they did with this movie and kind of having that at the intro when. Um, Oh, I keep trying to say his name, Jonathan. Blah blah blah. Myers, <laughs> rise. Just, rise. just, just, rise. just, just, just call him Brian Slade, and Ewan McGregor is Kurt Wilde. That would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Brian Slade. Uh, when Christian Bale was like, 
that's me that's me and the parents end up like beating up the son because he's not the perfect boy yeah. all that stuff that's reality yeah that's there's nothing that takes away that's like literally that was him getting a blue black eye is literally um the least i've heard like i know so yeah. many people who do not talk to their parents anymore do not talk to their family members anymore cannot go home um there are a good amount of uh, homelessness, especially in the states, of use and LGBT because they have nowhere to go. Right. So movies like this are extremely important um, for the community, for these type of people, because uh, whether or not they feel like coming out, at least they know there's other people like them. Yeah. Like they feel this comfort, they feel this level, and like not to tie it in, but like the important is our pride. <laughs> it's literally mm-hmm. just so other people know that there's other stuff. That's why there's no straight pride. Yeah. Even though there is a straight pride now, because they fucking cried it cried enough. No, I mean, it's not real though. I mean, it, it it's, it's like people yeah. saying, it, flag. It, it, it's like, it's like people saying white history month, like fuck off. It's all white. Yeah. Quite. Um, but yeah, they have, they actually had a parade. Just before COVID, the year before COVID, or yeah, year before COVID, mm-hmm. parade. Um, one of the big sponsors was Axe. Just <laughs> well known. Yeah. So not buy Axe products. They support straight pride. Yeah, and they also support perfuming young teenage boys and men who have not grown up yet to exceedingly, excruciatingly, extremely disgusting levels where they just, you can smell them from three miles away and you know they haven't showered. Let's just go with the fact that they support straight pride. <laughs> that, that too. That, that, that is, you know, that's the worst of it all. But it also just the fact that anyone who sprays themselves with that shit needs to rethink their priorities a little bit. But, uh, but these movies are really important. Like uh, Brokeback Mountain was a big one too. Mm-hmm. The idea of uh, men being attracted to each other and right. hiding in a straight relationship, which yep. I know plenty of guys who've done. It, it's, again, it's important because you need that representation. You need that thing to be seen and it shows you the difficulties as well it shows you the negative uh remarks that everyone got right like slater was the i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck person so it was perfect but the thing is he had his platform where he could do that while other people don't they like need people like him in order to be able to get out and be themselves or they need that comfort level to know there's someone else like out there like that like how uh christian bale got so excited when he saw somebody who's like thought like him Mm-hmm. So I thought that message uh, was pretty brilliant. And um, yeah, so overall, I did like what the movie was representing. I did love the editing, the acting. Tony Collette was a fucking star in this movie. She's great in this. Oh, like just the different personalities, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. The different accents the whole time, depending on like which scenario she's in. Which, by the way, is fucking hilarious that every single person who uh, was doing their lead part literally was faking an accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we had an American doing a British accent. I think it was, I can't remember where he's from, but he had a, he had a, a, like, a specific English accent. Yeah. Um, and then you had Ewan McGregor doing an American accent. And then you mm-hmm. had Tony Collette doing a British accent, like a hub, hub, I uppity tidy british accent mm-hmm. when she was in like the dry or the drag the 
glam rock and then yep. back to her American accent. And neither of those were her accent. Like, I just thought it was hilarious. It just blew my mind. <laughs> like, are all the leads doing an accent? <laughs> A lot of them are. Yeah, so just sort of getting my thoughts on this. Um, there's definitely a lot of stuff I like about this. I, I do have some little nitpicks here that I, I will get into. But, I mean, before we get into that, first off, I just I just want to comment. I, I think probably half the production budget of this is probably for makeup and platform shoes because, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the, the amount of platform shoes even – above the makeup that I saw in this film was obscene and it looked great. Don't get me wrong. I think the performances overall are all really good. I, I do kind of like that. It starts out with this convoluted origin story for Brian Slade, where his Maxwell demon persona in the sort of glam rock sense is connected to Oscar Wilde of all people who this film purports was a alien baby dropped off on earth with a magic brooch and inspired glam rock. And he's like the direct descendant basically um, of all great of, you know, of or the, the direct ancestor of all glam rock and individuality and gayness in the world, which is just fun. I, I like that. I, th- I think it's kind of a neat little uh, thing and it, it fits perfectly as just a glam rock story for a character that's being made. So the intro, I want to be a pop icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> Oscar Wilde see, saying that. Okay, sure. Um, but so for, for people who don't know, um, who have not seen this basically. So our Brian Slade character is a thinly veiled uh, stand in for David Bowie. <laughs> Kurt Wilde is a thinly veiled stand in for Iggy pop, little bit Lou Reed, and a lot of this is drawn from, and I have it here written down. It's based a lot on a couple books. So Stardust, the David Bowie story by Henry Edwards and Tony Zanta or Zanita and backstage pass, which was written by Bowie's ex-wife, Angie Bowie. Uh, so David Bowie actually threatened to sue this film. If they tried to use any of his really? actual music. Yeah. And also, the Stardust one, is especially, I believe, is kind of looked upon by most people who kind of know the history of David Bowie's career as, like, just make him up. Like, just mostly bullshit. But a lot of this is sort of centered around David Bowie and Iggy Pop's partnership in the 70s, uh, where they were making music together, but, like, basically... Uh, David Bowie took Iggy Pop in and and started producing some of his albums and stuff. And it's rumored that they had a homosexual relationship together. Most likely did nothing wrong with that. But like this film, this film gets a lot of like, it's kind of like making stuff up basically is is what the thing is. Um, And I don't have a big problem with that. Like whatever, like the, the, this film is trying to capture the image of glam rock and some of the themes. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are like big fans of David Bowie and Iggy pop have real problems with this film because they can't not see David Bowie and Iggy pop in this. So it, it's hard to separate for them. I didn't have as big a problem with that, even though I am a massive David Bowie and Iggy pop fan. I just, I just took it in. It kind of took it in stride. Like, I saw it, for sure. You can definitely Mm -hmm. see it. But I never thought it was. Like, I just thought it was, like, a storytell of, like, a what if. Like, it did have, like, the origin story of the alien baby. 
Mm. And it did have all that stuff where they might have been inspired by a story of. I didn't see them like that was them. It, it's it's really weird because so the film is totally fictional in in the sense that these are fictional characters based on real people um, and the music itself. So in some instances, it's the actual actors singing or actual musicians doing vocal tracks for them, where it's covers of real glam rock era songs. Then there's a couple original songs that are also done. And then there's real songs from the era from the original recording artists in the soundtrack as well. So it, it kind of confuses things a little bit. Um, and, and honestly, maybe that's my biggest problem with this film is that it sometimes gets a little too convoluted and confusing. And I, I think that's because of the two hour runtime. They're doing a little too much at times where they, they're going outside the focus of, of what they should be focusing on. I feel it suffers from being a lot of these people in, in this film being like lesser versions of the real deal from the era. And it's kind of hard to separate that sometimes. So Brian Slade in this, you can't really see him without seeing Bowie to a certain extent. And Brian Slade in this, he just crashes and burns. Bowie crashed and burned, but he reinvented himself multiple times and he didn't disappear for 10 years. Uh, and Iggy Pop reinvented himself multiple times and didn't disappear for 10 years. So it kind of changes things up, but they seem bogged down focusing on this stuff. And then they have a lot of glam rock window dressing around it when they should really be focusing on like a couple key story points. Like I think Christian Bale's fucking story is fucking great. Like that itself is a movie where he's just an obsessed fan or, you know, just an, an excited, uh, you know, enthusiastic fan. And it should be about him, but you know, it cuts to him and then it cuts out from him. And then it cuts to when he was there in those, those times experiencing those things live and the movie doesn't do a good job of making sure you know when that's happening necessarily. So sometimes I was getting confused. Like sometimes it'd be Christian Bale's remembering shit and then it's back to him investigating and there's no like clear transition between those things. I entirely agree with everything you just said. Uh, like the last little bit, you get like this storyline and you're trying to follow the storyline mm -hmm. and then you have... Um, the reporter's side, you've got this guy's side, you've got that guy's side. And like you said, sometimes like you're living in their memory and then sometimes like you're, it's, it's present day and that like, there's no real distinction between both right. other than the hair. Like you can mm -hmm. tell by the hair, but it's really cool how you like follow Christian Bale around and he's experiencing everything. And it would have been really cool just to have the movie about him yeah, experiencing all these people because he's run into all these people and like literally his background. And the one part that really bugged me, um, with the whole seeing the, the past and being a part of the present was the Christian Bale, Ewan McGregor relationship. Because mm -hmm. that was like, okay, that happened. And uh, then he tries to like go interview him and then he's like, runs into him. And it just feels like the story of them fucking is just forgotten. 
Mm-hmm. Like I get there is the the whole little uh, gives them the pin at the end, all that stuff. I get that, but it doesn't really help me attach like the fact that this guy banged him and there was supposed to be this a beautiful moment. Like it was this insanely romantic, weird fucking yeah. They're up in the star of circles. Yeah, they're up on the roof, like watching the stars, and Ewan McGregor is 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 fucking him from behind and. There's this it, weird fucking thing in the sky. Yeah, and it's like a, like it's it it's a pivotal, sweet, but like both of the male sex scenes in this film are kind of like the big pivotal moments in the film, and it doesn't pay off at the end, uh, especially with with the one we're talking about here, the latter one. It just feels like okay, where is there more? Um, yeah, it just there was that. I don't even know, like especially since it was so close to the end. Like, I, I don't even know if they just realized they had too much and they're like, fuck, we got to just cut this short. Cause it, it felt like there was going to be something developing between Ewan McGregor and Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly thought that there was going to be way more because out of all the relationships and sexual things, that one was the one that was like, emphasized the most. Mm-hmm. Cause even like the, the relationship between, oh, I'm mixing up names now, Slayton and, um, Tony Collette? Slade and Collette, yeah. Yeah. Every time they had anything, it was very quick. And even though there was like, we barely even saw how they fell in love. Like, we saw Mm -hmm. kind of quickly. But that was it. And then every single time there was any sort of other sexual relationship, it was very quick. Or it was a big orgy thing where there's a group thing and there's a a whole thing that's happening. Like, even uh, Slade and... um, I'm going to call him Unigar because I keep forgetting his name. But... (laughs) Uh, even their like chemistry that happens, like when they fuck, it's still again very quick. But with Christian Bale and Ewan McGregor, there's like actual like romance going on. There's like right. actual thing. Like there's an actual relationship that seems so developed in the storytelling in such a short period of time, such close to the end of the movie that at the end you thought like, oh maybe maybe there's something more to this. Maybe mm-hmm. there's like a reconnection. No, it was like nah, it's it's forgotten. Yeah, it's no, like, they, who are they, you? And that was yeah, it. yeah. They play they play phone tag, and then and, and and he and and then fucking Ewan McGregor's character just ghosts him basically, and that's it. And runs into him at the bar. Yeah, it falls apart in certain places. I I think Jonathan Rhys Myers is like he looks good. He does okay in the role that he's doing as kind of a David Bowie stand-in. I feel like he's actually got a little. He doesn't have a lot going on, like charisma wise. I don't think. Like I can, I can get why like a dude would want to fuck him because he's beautiful and all that. <laughs> but outside of that, like it's very surface. Yeah, I get it. Like his relationship is supposed to be the supposed relationship between Iggy Pop and David Bowie. So you know, you you get why he falls in love with Kurt Wilde and all that shit. But like you said, the relationship really isn't there. Like it, it cuts from them fucking basically to them fighting in the studio. Like it, yeah. it, it's it's very quick. So yeah, it's. I think I think the biggest problem is this movie just tries to do a little too much. Like if, if it focused on one or two characters and tried to tell their story and not get into every aspect of this. Also, it it, it is weird. Like this is where it diverges from Citizen Kane, where our journalist character, we actually get his story as well. Like in Citizen mm-hmm. Kane, the journalist didn't have a story. He's just there to report the facts kind of thing. And this one also our Citizen Kane, which is Brian Slade, he's not as interesting as Citizen Kane is. 
Like he, he's not interesting as Charles Kane. Like it, yeah. it's, so it's I th- I think maybe the fact that they tried to hang their hat on Citizen Kane is kind of what killed this a little bit. Um they 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 should have just focused more on uh Christian Bale's character of Arthur and his story and him growing up in the 70s and being, yeah, being attracted to well. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and being attracted to glam rock and the people he ran into and the people that inspired him and he idolized and helped them open up with the sexuality. Like all that's really cool shit and it gets a little bit buried by the other stuff and okay yeah so at the end when like closer to the end when he figures out what happened to um brian brian slade mm-hmm. and there's the the concert and they're doing the interviews afterwards and he's like and christian bale yells out like oh hey aren't you that uh bisexual uh glam rock icon brian slade or like what's the rumors about you being whatever mm-hmm. and then they go in and you see tommy who is supposed to be Brian Slade, um, just kind of look at a picture of, like, Brian Slade in his young years, and it was the end? Like, that was it? Like, I thought we were following this guy for the reason that he did the fake shooting, and it just, like, what we were trying to follow didn't really have an ending. Yeah. It just felt very unfinished. It's just as if, like, literally, I was I, I started on a task and was like, yeah, yeah, fuck it, I'm done. And like, you should... Just- you shouldn't have you shouldn't have this many loose threads in a two hour movie. That it's it's just an it's just unnecessarily like, two hour movie. Mm-hmm. Like there was how many scenes where the song just never ended, and it wasn't as if it added to the movie. It didn't add anything substantial that was critical to understanding the movie. It was just literally like let's show off our dazzling, glitterful, beautiful actor yeah like they and, picked a beautiful looking cast but we didn't need to stare at them at a, singing a song for five minutes and like a lot a lot of the music's great the covers of original uh of you know like the classic stuff that some of the, they sometimes do sounds pretty good good to better than expected kind of thing like sounds pretty good but it feels like yeah this is a 90 minute movie where if you wanted to put all that shit back in that's the alternate version on the DVD, you know, where it's like get the extended scenes or whatever, you know, but as a two hour movie, as it stands, it just, it's just too much going on. Uh, not enough coherent through line in the storytelling. And I, think, I yeah. think they could have made like a really powerful story with Christian Bale with his upbringing mm-hmm. and his, uh, obsession with Glamrock and how like he ended up being a super fan who ended up in the hands of like one of these Glamrock stars. Yeah. I think that would have been an amazing fucking story to tell. And I think it would have been an amazingly powerful story to tell. Um, especially if you're trying to promote uh, bisexuality amongst yeah. men. Like I think that would have been fucking wonderful. Like we could have cut out the whole like Slade story and minimize it entirely because you barely got anything out of it anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I understand that's how they, how they met, but fuck me, you could have just followed uh, Christian Bale around and understood the story of Slade through Christian Bale, and you would have got the same fucking thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if if Slade had thrown Bale's character away after a one-night stand as a groupie, then you could tell that story, right? You could tell that story about how that affected Christian Bale's character going on where he... He got to fuck his idol, but 
he was thrown to the street the next day as, as just a groupie that that he fucked kind yeah. of thing but even um kurt wild's story seemed more interesting too like his background about yeah. how like his parents put him like electrical therapy to yeah. try and shock the the what was it the the, the bisexuality the the yeah the shock the fairy way but i mean yeah uh that's directly based on the life of lou reed where he underwent that treatment for to you know basically shock the gay away his yeah. parents put him through shock therapy kind of thing that's, that, even he had a better background story he had a better story throughout this movie mm-hmm. than slade did like i think they just tried to make slade too mysterious that yeah. we just kind of forgot about him yeah yeah um I will say uh, one thing I really dug though was some of the scenes like um, Christian Bale just hanging out in his in his bedroom, looking at his vinyl. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a vinyl collector. We do have a friend who's a big fucking vinyl collector, but I still relate to it because I grew up in the age of cassette tapes, going on into CDs, and that's still back in a time when that actual albums were considered a conceptual piece of art with liner notes and stuff like that that you could pull out and read while you're listening to the songs like that stuff i love like i I miss doing that honestly Mm -hmm. because you just don't really get a lot of that anymore unless you're buying like boutique like fucking vinyl i still buy cds go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) but i mean it's definitely not the norm anymore it's 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 lost it's uh pizzazz because i remember getting a new cd and opening it for the first time mm-hmm. and the thing is all you knew back then or cassette because i still had cassettes but all you knew was a couple songs that you knew on the radio and there was no mm-hmm. way of like internet searching yeah so you would listen to the one song and the two songs that you're obsessed with with the band buy the fucking cd listen to the cd and realize those two songs are the only two songs you fucking like <laughs> <laughs> I Those thankfully the best times. I, I thankfully, all CDs, but definitely have. Yeah, no, I thankfully very rarely ran into an occasion where I I bought an album and I I ended up only liking like the one song I heard on the radio or whatever. Thankfully, but um. Oh, I had one where I liked the one song <laughs> on the radio and then one other song out of twelve. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was I think like that's kind of the thing I missed. It was such a you end up having so many goddamn CDs because or cassettes because. Uh, that would happen. You'd have an album that uh, there was one or two good songs, maybe three. Then you'd have another one that was just a fucking banger that you would play like on repeat constantly because it was so goddamn good. What was the uh, what was the if you remember this? What was the first cassette tape you bought? Cassette tape I bought. Yeah, with your own money. So me was CD that I bought because I didn't oh, okay. buy a cassette. Yeah. Oh, okay. I had uh, the first cassette that was bought for me was Spice Girls. Okay. So, the first CD I bought for myself. Oh my god, it's embarrassing. Okay, first CD I bought my friend myself was Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize ironic. you were I didn't realize you're such a mega person. That's uh... you know the funny thing is I'm not, which yeah. is hilarious because uh, which CD was okay? It was the one like only God knows why. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sh- no, no. Someone else bought me that. That was the first one I bought with my own money. I think I still have it somewhere. <laughs> first, the first cassette tape I bought. Devil Without a Cause. That was it. De- Devil Without a Cause. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> first cassette tape I bought was Nirvana Nevermind. Oh, there's a good one. 
back in 90 when did i buy it i think i bought it in 92 or 93 yeah and first cd i bought i think it was might have been rancid out come the wolves might have been the first one i bought with my own my own money but yeah <laughs> man um I saving up my money to buy a cd i remember buying like lincoln park and lincoln park limbiscuit Oh my god. Water. <laughs> rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah. I keep forgetting you're ten years younger than me. It's like your your whole like I'm not saying you have bad taste, I'm just saying like your whole era like of exposure to certain popular music is like totally different than mine. Yeah. I had my sister. My sister was the one that kinda like I listened to her music. I was on my pop shit when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I like secretly like my sister's stuff, but I never tell her. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, she's a terrible human. Yeah, she's terrible. Um, For another day. <laughs> uh, Anyways, overall, I'm going to give my final thoughts of the movie. Okay. Yeah, do it. Go shoot. So, yeah, overall, um, I, I think that it was a lot of. I understand why there is, a, like, it's kind of mixed reviews when you look at it online. You mm-hmm. get some sites will say one or lower, you look at other sites to say higher. Because yeah. there were some really beautiful parts of this movie, there were some amazing parts of the movie. Like I said, the the visualization of this movie just took you on a whole fucking trip. Like, it was yeah. just insanely beautiful to watch. Um, same with, like, the acting. Um, Tony Collette fucking impressed me beyond belief. Like mm-hmm. she was probably the the actor we saw the most, and um, that woman does not get enough attention. I yeah. uh, I think it's because she's not like your your standard like super beautiful woman, like your stereotypical beautiful woman. Right. Right. Yeah, because uh, like I think she's beautiful, but I I think she's very uniquely beautiful. Yeah. No, she she doesn't look like a lot of di- like a lot of standard like Hollywood actresses. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably why she doesn't get the attention she deserves because fuck me, is she goddamn good. Like, mm-hmm. from then, back then, to Hereditary, like, that just character. Anyways, I could talk about her. Like, And she gets she gets kind of shortchanged in this movie, too, even though, like, her performance is brilliant. Like, her character gets fucked over by this, like, just being cheated on, basically. Constantly. Yeah, constantly. Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and she has to be cool about it. She's like, she has mm-hmm. to be cool about it. Yeah. Anyways, beautiful, fucking beautiful, amazing. Um, but I think, like we were saying, it's too long. There's too mm-hmm. many scenes. The thing is, okay, the thing is with um, Citizen Kane that even though the scenes were long, there there was still like substance that actually still had to do with the story. Mm-hmm. It was a long storytelling, but it's still related to the movie. This was drawn out scenes where it was just musical bits yeah. where nothing added to the story nothing like if i cut down if i cut down 10 seconds i would still get the same information i needed i just wouldn't get as long as a visual um yeah. and i think that was the big downfall for me was that and like you said there was too many convoluted stories there was too many um unfinished stories there was Mm -hmm. a story that had so much potential and i never got to hear it it's as if something like someone's talking to you and there's just something going on in the background and you Mm -hmm. so want to pay attention to what's going on the background yeah that that's That's, that is a perfect fucking summarization of what this movie is like yeah 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 because like it's there and this is the story you're being told and you have to pay attention but you really want to pay attention to what's over here Mm -hmm. um Happy they had this movie though, just for the representation of bisexuality in men. 
yeah, like in 1998, mm-hmm. and you're seeing you're seeing Ewan McGregor's pork and beans, and then you're seeing him pork a dude and making out with guys too. There's yeah, a lot of like making out with guys. Yeah, it's and just like girls, like just switching it up and having. It's fun. like it's like wow, he does this before he becomes Obi Wan Kenobi. I uh, also appreciate the one line where the guy said, "You can't force yourself to be gay." Like you just not if you're not gay, you're not gay. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. Because I remember Kurt yeah. Cobain said the same. He's like, if I if I could change myself to being gay, I totally would be gay. And I mean, a lot of people also kind of look at Hugh McGregor's looks and performance in this and like immediately go, oh, that's Kurt Cobain a little yeah. bit as well. And I think basically that's kind of a thing where Kurt Cobain actually took a lot of his mannerisms and, and stuff that he would sort of adopt from people like Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a reverse influence kind of thing Mm -hmm. that people are seeing there um i also say that uh, ewan mcgregor not a great singing voice uh and definitely not as good as iggy pop who also doesn't have a great singing voice but when it came to like getting iggy pop's moves down on stage it's fucking to a t like he he kind of embodies how iggy pop just like dances and gyrates and shit all over the stage and sticks his hands down his pants and yeah, all that shit. Very sexualized. Mm -hmm. Um, Ewan McGregor has an incredible voice. I think he did it to match Iggy pop. Might be, might be it then. Okay. Because I've never heard him sing in any Have you not watched Moulin Rouge? No. Okay, watch that movie for Ewan McGregor and his singing. Like, you'll see. Because okay. as soon as I heard, because I love Ewan McGregor's voice. And when I heard him sing here, I was like, well, what the fuck? And then it made Ooh. sense because, like, he's mimicking somebody who's. Okay, so so he that was that was uh, that was an actor's choice instead of the trying yeah. to do an impression. Okay, I get. Okay, right on. I'll send you, like, a clip, like, a quick clip so you can see it. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know. Same with Tony Clett. Tony Collette has a fucking incredible voice. So budget for this was nine million. Unfortunately, box office four point three, so it didn't do very well. And I, I think, I think one of the big problems is nineteen ninety eight. You're trying to do a two hour movie with too much going on, like and representing bisexuality. That's that as well. Be a like, yeah, factor right away. So, and also, I think this wasn't marketed very well because I think everyone who's trying to market this looked at it and goes. This is a fucking gay movie. How do we, how do we sell this to Joe Normal without telling them that it's a gay movie? And they fucked up on that. Um, I didn't even know this movie existed. Mm-hmm. And I am a huge fan of Hugh McGregor and Tony Collette and John. I keep forgetting his name. Big fan of, of John. What's his face? Because of Bennett, like Beckham. I just mm-hmm. know his face. I didn't know his name. <laughs> it's funny just, you said it like five times, and I'm still mixing it up. Just, just, just call him. Just call him. Bend it like Beckham. Bend it like Beckham. Bend it like Beckham. Actor. I'm big, um, big, big fan of Benny Beckham over here. That is the only movie I saw him in. I was just so in love with him. So when I heard that, like this, I was watching to watch him in another movie. I was like, what? He's in other movies. <laughs> oh, big, big fan. Never watched another movie he's been in, but you know, it's fine. Exactly. I'm a fan of the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love with him as Bennett like Beckham actor man. <laughs> big big fan of that Orson Welles from Citizen Kane. What he did other movies? He's a director. I this is literally the second movie I've seen them in. Okay. I, I everything else I have not. Like I remember Alexander was a thing. Mhm. And I never saw it. Wasn't a TV series. There was a TV series that he had. 
I can't remember. Uh, yeah, he's in Vikings. Was it Vikings? I yeah. Can't I can't remember. I, I didn't watch, I didn't I, okay. watch fucking Vikings. So. I had to look at the fucking Google page. You said the names I don't know how many times, and I forget them. I literally mm-hmm. forget names. I am the worst. I'm a terrible... I don't know why you have me as a co-host, because I am the worst fucking person to have. Because <laughs> I like you and you have neat insights in the fucking <laughs> movies. Can't I can't remember mean, names. You have, no atten- you have no attention span and can't remember shit, no but I mean... <laughs> But I mean, I, I'm, I'm terrible at fucking pronouncing foreign names. So, you know, we all have faults. Whoa, I'm terrible at pronouncing foreign names as well. Oh, yeah. Get another one up on me. Okay, I see. See how it is. Um, releases for this, Blu-ray, iTunes, uh, DVD, Amazon Prime, Vudu. You can find it places uh, if you look. F Movies, if you are familiar with that uh, certain uh, non-legal site that streams things. Um that you could otherwise not get on, get anywhere else. We have a little bit of trivia here. So, like I said, the Kurt Wilde character is mainly inspired by David Bowie's relationship with two American 1960s underground rockers whose careers uh, Bowie resurrected, Iggy Pop and Lou Reed. Iggy Pop hailed from Michigan and shared Wilde's long blonde locks, while Reed underwent shock therapy for bisexuality as a teen it was rumored to have had an affair with Bowie before their falling out after Bowie produced Reed's album Transformer. Much central to the film is a fictionalized, such as a uh, mythical, mysterious, decade-long disappearance of Slade. So, yeah, it's just basically saying that it took some real shit and then made a bunch of bullshit. Um, and let's see. Uh, Jonathan Rise Myers and Hugh McGregor sang their own songs in the movie for the most part, some of Reese Meyer's stuff was overdubbed by Radiohead singer uh, Tom York. And when Christian Bale and Ewan McGregor were filming their sex scene, the director cut without letting them know. So the two continued to simulate the act until they realized a trick had been played on them. <laughs> I said, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know a little bit of method acting there anyway just, keep, just get into it a little bit more guys in case we have to take another take you know kind of like um but yeah uh this was fun glad to be back and recording some shit again with you the next episode i'm pretty certain is going to be pretty big daniel's going to come back um yeah, yeah. and we're going to be doing goodfellas the uh classic martin scorsese mobster movie I have actually never seen it, mm-hmm. which I know is terrible because uh, I was supposed to watch it. I don't know how many times and I never got around to it. So this will be a first time watch for me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything else I need to say? Uh, I mean, Lady Lee, you got stuff to plug? Plug it. Um, Jonathan Rise Meyer. There yeah, you <laughs> that guy, your favorite actor, the guy you've only seen one movie or two movies now. <laughs> yeah, two movies. I'm getting yeah. my collection built up. Uh, I still prefer Venom like Beckham. It's just I don't know a guy playing a guy a soccer coach is really nice. Um, anyways, you can find me at Mighty Tiny All Star on Instagram, where I will post updates on podcasts that are either in going to happen have happened mm-hmm. whatever pictures lee sends me i post let's yeah. put it that way dirty so, pictures or clean pictures exactly anything i post and uh i send I her pictures have... of my calves all the time 
<laughs> as an apology. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So if you want to check us out or you want to see any up-to-date stuff on, or sorry, pictures about up-to-date stuff on the podcast, check out my Instagram. Mm -hmm. I also have pictures of my adorable cat and my amazingly wonderful puppy. Yes. So, definitely worth checking out. They're definitely highlights of, of your Instagram, yes. And then some like selfless selfies. Selfless selfies. Wow. <laughs> Selfish selfies? Selfless. What am I thinking? I no, don't know. That's not the word I'm thinking for. I don't know. Pictures of you, they're also pretty good. Not selfless. What the fuck's the word for? Selfish? Anyways. No, it's not selfish. It's literally something that starts with an S and I can't think of it. Um, anyways, doesn't matter. There's selfies of me out there that are my Instagram. Go check them out too. Yeah. Give them a like. Yeah. Then also, if you are so inclined, find us on Facebook, tmbdos.podbean.com on Podbean, where you can find all of our episodes. Uh, the Facebook group is probably the best place to get in contact with us and, and you know, give movie requests like this episode where we were requested to do this. Um, we're always open to that. You know, other than other than that, we have to like put our brains together. And like, hey, what do we want to do next? I don't know. I have an idea of what to do next, like after Goodfellas. Okay, but it's a secret. Oh well, shit. She ain't I'm not gonna, gonna say me. now. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. So you know, Podbean or Facebook, go to those places. You'll find us. You'll find all the links to you know whatever the fuck else. Wonderfully Photoshop pictures of our faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but our, our version of Photoshop is Photoshop, where I just do this all in MS Paint, and it, it looks passable. It, it, looks pass it looks passable when I put it in a 600 by 400 J JPEG on the internet. It looks amazing. We look amazing. I mean, we both do look amazing, but that's beside the point. We look like celebrities that are not fat. Yeah, we're we're both we're both just chunky monkeys, so it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, not according to the internet. No, according to the internet, we're obese. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, we 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 need we need to get out of here. We're 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 rambling now, like fucking crazy people. It's been so long. <laughs> it has. We just you know, we've been you know we we should have picked like three movies to do so we could talk more. But um, yeah, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thank you, Lady Lee. Thank, uh, you. thank you. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. Uh, we always appreciate you guys listening. And we'd definitely appreciate you guys, you know, getting in touch with us more. Like, you know, give us give us movies to do. Tell us how we're doing. Make fun you know, of us. Good or, us. Good or, yeah, good or bad. Make fun of us. Call us chunky monkeys. I don't care, man. We, we wear it with pride. Yeah. And also, you know, support pride. Yeah. Yeah. And ask for pictures of Lee's calves. Yeah, Lee's calves. Lee's, uh, www.leescalves.com. Hashtag Lee's calves on OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting out of here. I'm, I'm going to play the fucking outro now. Fuck it. Baby's on fire. Yeah.
to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.